0: Hi, I'm Danny Lee. I directed and produced Who is Stan Smith? I'm also the founder of BIPOC production company, Calico.
1: Welcome to Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week, I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week, it is my pleasure to welcome Danny Lee, the award winning director of Who is Stan Smith? The film is the story of a tennis icon now better known for the shoe he endorsed. Beginning in the early 1970s. But as Danny points out, Stan Smith's legacy is about something far greater than tennis or fashion. Danny Lee, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you?
0: Everything's well. I, uh, yeah, this morning I got my kids
1: to school on time. That's so an a good accomplishment. Day. Excellent. It is. I I, I I hear where you're coming from, um, and a big uh, well. So thanks again for coming onto the uh, onto the podcast, and also congratulations on uh, completing your film. And I gather uh, it's uh, who is Stan Smith? Is it premiering at Doc NYC? Is that right? It is
0: premiering at Doc NYC, uh, November 9th. We're excited because Stan's story has been sort of sitting in gestation forever, right? Like, mm. it's not often you get to tell someone's story while they're still alive, right? That's that's iconic and legendary. Yeah, yeah. Stan is this elder statesman in tennis yeah, who's done so much for the sport, but often, you know, people know him for the tennis shoe, right? right, right. It's actually the original tennis shoe. It's funny when people call shoes tennis shoes when they're really not. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it's kind of the original tennis shoe, if you will. Mm. Well, so Rod Lavers was, to be specific. But anyway,
1: so you've answered that question about who you know the the film, the title of the film, who is Dan Smith. You've you've you know we've answered that question. Uh, the, the iconic uh, tennis star and an endorser of a, an iconic shoe. Um, but as we often ask our guests, I mean. I'll ask that question again, who is Stan Smith? But in this case, what is, what is Stan Smith the movie? What is it about? Maybe it's a, give us a synopsis, because it's more than just about Stan Smith, the tennis player. For
0: sure. Um, you know, in, in sort of excavating and doing research on Stan, right? Like, I, like most other people, instantly thought about the shoe. And the shoe, it, like, even through high school and everything, it always sort of was just there. And it's always this sort of premium thing that everyone aspired to have um so who is stan smith is essentially the thesis of the film who is the man behind the shoe that we've all heard of right and initially i went into it thinking it might be a sports biopic of a superstar athlete who went on to achieve greatness right but as we went through this this process it became this unexpected journey for from late tennis bloomer to a collegiate superstar, mm. to a Wimbledon champion and number one in the world, to this unexpected fashion icon and humanitarian. Um, for me, the, the, the story is really very much about this athlete who is obsessed with being the best and sort of stumbled upon and discovered his own humanity through the process.
1: Mm. Mm. Wow. Uh, and so how did you, was this your idea? Um, how did you become involved?
0: Uh, I was fortunate enough. Um, I had a meeting with spring, the spring Hill company, which is LeBron James and Maverick Carter's company That's right. with these two executives named Phil Byron and Camille Marachi, who are incredible partners. And they were talking to me about another project and it didn't feel right for me just because it was a long, it was like a two season sort of commitment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and But it was great creative, and I just, at the time, I couldn't commit to that. But we we hit it off, and they were saying, well, what about these two projects? We have one about boxing for a specific place that's already picked up, and then we have this other one that we want to deficit finance. I'm like, what's the other one? <clears throat> and they're like, Stan Smith. And my eyes lit up. Um, this coincided with me just having picked up tennis through the pandemic. I'd never played tennis before, and I started playing – and the joy you get on walking on a court. So, like, it just felt serendipitous. felt like it was just right. And uh, I'd leave to him and I said, excuse my language, I said, fuck yes, I'm doing that.
1: <laughs> well, thank goodness you did. And you and I both, I mean, I, I, I did play a little bit as a kid, but I hadn't picked up a racket in years. And yes, I I started playing tennis during the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Had a, had a court just around the corner. So, uh, and it just brought a lot of... Um, that and your film has brought back a lot of, a lot of great memories of an interest. A, a I find a very entertaining and compelling era of, of tennis. Um, for sure. And maybe you can tell us. So maybe let, on that note, I mean, uh, let's go back to Stan Smith, the tennis player. I mean, uh, as you say, most people just only know him really for the shoes. But he's he. How big a deal was he? Maybe you know. I think a lot of people don't really realize that he was he was the real deal.
0: He was the real deal. Um you know his story is interesting because it traverses this the most formative inflection point in tennis, right? right. The the I guess before right. the open era. And I won't get into this really complicated explanation right. but right. Yeah. You, you probably don't want that either but <laughs> basically at the time Stan was uh you know he was this wonder kind you know he started late there was all this buzz about him and he became the number one player in the world he was just dominant he was a tall guy he was big and he really he was a power player and you know at the time um he was sort of the leading American player as well next to Arthur Ash mm-hmm. who they were really close friends and um but what really made you know, stand, stand out. And you'll see in the film is the stuff he did off the court. Um, You know, there was, he won Wimbledon in 72. The year after most champions defend their crown. It's very rare that you can win again. And he boycotted Wimbledon to sort of unionize tennis. And so what he did for the sport, what he did for people in general really again made him stand out so you know i didn't live in 1970 i wasn't born then or Mm -hmm. 1972 but um you know from all of our firsthand accounts of people that were there and his friends and family of course he was a huge deal and that's why adidas Mm. a german company came to him to take over this shoe
1: Mm. Mm. i mean back to the point where about what he meant for tennis i mean i in the in the film you've got uh, i mean john Macro is not of the habit of giving out compliments to people and uh, i think he uh, begrudgingly but says uh, about other things but on this he certainly said no player i believe is something to the effect of no player has done more for the game than than what stan smith did by by actually being in that atp boycott of uh, of the 73 wimbledon um, so, it's quite, I mean, I guess what, I mean, what I took away from it is a reminder that, um, you know, tennis went from being this supposedly kind of amateurish, very uh, upper class kind of sport, and, you know, the changes that are all happening, and your film touches on a lot of things that were going on in the 60s and, and 70s, and and even, be obviously, up to the current day. But uh, just, you know, um, what they did to the sport and brought it to into the modern era, basically, and uh, and he and he yeah. made sacrifices because he, you know, we all tend to track how many singles, you know, Grand Slams players have won, and he probably could have won a good number more if he hadn't, you know. Who knows? You know, with yeah, with he did the win sacrifices. the, you know,
0: he won a bunch of doubles, uh, right? Grand Slams um but yeah he you know i'd like to think and i think anyone can attest that he laid the foundation for modern tennis right um especially what he did with the atp and of course rod laver and everyone else involved Mm -hmm. um but you know he i think proves i think the what comes out of what we i guess the moral of the tale is it's not necessarily all about winning right it's like Mm -hmm. the the longer lasting impacts you can have on humanity and as maybe, uh, I don't want to sound too earnest, but like, once you meet the man, he is uh, he's just a wonderful human being, and I think he's a testament of what the the, 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 the possibilities of, of what we can all do. Yeah. We try to do good.
1: Well, I think that's, I mean, you know, your film tracks this incredible story arc that is his life, um, and you know, yes, and there's obviously the, as you mentioned, the shoes and Adidas, or as they say over here, Adidas were, uh, you know, keen to, to, uh, you know, get, you know, they wanted to break into the U.S. and they've signed him on. But it's, it's, as you've said, it's, 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 it's really his legacy is about so much more. Um, and as you touch on the film, the the friendship and with Arthur Ashe and. Again, I it's hard to for for someone my age, it's hard to maybe appreciate this, but there's probably a lot of people out there who don't even really know who Arthur Ashe is, but uh, that's for sure. Uh but what he meant for the game and for beyond the game, and they both were both men of who valued f- friends and family certainly. Yeah. Um right. and I think is is what you were saying about what we can do for, you know, I think is even at the end, not to spoiler alert, but you've got people like, you know, ra- rappers from Run DMC and other places saying that you know, it's it's the fact that he is this everyman, unassuming, very humble person that makes him into this sort of superhero of sorts, isn't it? Right. Yeah. No, I think that's fair, and it's we. I don't know if this is coincidental,
0: but it's sort of. Is runs parallel with the shoe, right? Like the shoe is somewhat, it looks beautiful, but it's unassuming. It hasn't changed much over the years. And it seems like everyone can wear them. It's unisex. Um, And it it just kind of represents him in many ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what, DMC says at the end, which I won't spoil, but he kind of summarizes it perfectly. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think another thing that illustrates, because the thing I didn't know anything of—I mean, I not that I'm a know that much about Stan Smith, but the one thing I was supposed—I was completely unaware of—and I think that what illustrates all this is this whole story with uh, maybe we won't give away too much, but with uh, uh, Mark Mathabane. You know, that's that's an incredible story. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this South, South African author who. To a large part, owes his uh, his uh, life and success and what he's achieved to people like Stan Smith and and Arthur Ashe as well. But um, right. it's not like Stan goes around um, trumpeting this. And I'm sure there's probably more stories like this that you probably were tempted to put in the film, but you only have a, only have ninety minutes.
0: You only have ninety minutes, right? Um, you know, Stan with Mark Mothabani, who is this rising mm-hmm. South African tennis player. Yeah. Uh, Stan and him, you know, there, there's this chance encounter. And Stan probably saw something in Mark. He might have had, you know, we, we talked about this. There may have been some guilt. He talks about this in the film mm-hmm. of feeling like he didn't support Arthur enough in certain causes at the time. Not because he didn't agree with the causes, but... You know, when you're raising a huge family, you don't have in infinite time, right? And so maybe Mark represented a bit of Stan's ability to redeem that feeling mm. he may have had, um, but he'll he can speak to that himself. But it, it was an unexpected story. I, I did not expect that at all, at all. And I think Stan's story was in, was interesting and challenging as a filmmaker because there's not a lot of internal drama and conflict right right? like he didn't have substance abuse issues he didn't experience a lot of death except for of course arthur right um so it was sort of trying to identify where all out of the tension in the story laid and so early on you know we and my team of producers shout out to rebecca halpern and blake bruns who were very obviously contribute they they helped immensely Um, It was obvious that we had to kind of take this inside-outside world approach where, you know, because, like, Stan, he's nothing like Forrest Gump, but in many ways, like, Forrest Gump found himself in the middle of these, like, historical events. Right, right. Right? And Stan, in very similar ways, did, too. He's playing in the middle of the Vietnam War. He's playing during the height of apartheid in South Africa. He's playing during this huge, this moment in tennis where it went open and, so all these different things and so it felt like why would we ignore sort of the the context of history let's lean into it and that it informed the the drama of every moment right so and that was a challenge though i mean you know the the bulletin board of index cards moved right. every few days we're like how does this and there were a lot of stuff that got laid left on the on the cutting room floor like there's an amazing Moment, it's called Battle of Bucharest, where Stan goes into um, Bucharest, which was behind the Soviet curtain, right, right. <laughs> during the height of the Cold War, and he's playing Nastasi. and um, you know there are people throwing stuff at him, and they're you know like the Yankees are in town, and yeah, and I wanted so bad to include it because it's such a memorable scene, and we still have the the edit. But, you know, you have to kill darlings.
1: Yeah, That's how yeah. it goes. All right. Well, hold hold that thought. We're going to give our listeners an early break here. So, we'll be right back with uh, Danny Lee, the award-winning director and and writer as well. Is that a uh, writer and producer? Um, of writer and who,
0: producer,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is Stan Smith? Uh, premiering at Doc NYC on November 9th, and we'll ask Danny uh, after the break, uh, Where? or may if he does know, where other you might be able to see this if you can't make it to Doc NYC. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America here with Danny Lee the director of Who is Stan Smith premiering at Doc NYC on November 9th. Uh you were talking we were talking about stuff that you had to leave on the cutting room floor. You uh by the way, did you try to interview Nastasi? Cuz that would have been yeah, interesting. Yeah, we were
0: Oh god, it would have I I spoke to him uh, we were texting and then we started looking we we obviously did a deeper dive into any possible scandals and he'd said some really wrong stuff and we were like there's no way we're gonna put this guy give him a platform so
1: okay yeah Yeah, i mean he would have made
0: sense he would have he was the villain in the film
1: yeah yeah.
0: however again we, we can't condone some of the stuff he said
1: okay um cuz uh yeah well he was a villain in real back <laughs> he didn't even have to make him a villain he was i am old enough to remember him as a as as a tennis player and uh, yeah i think uh he was a villain then as well um but he, uh, like
0: he felt like a character out of superman from the 80s like just that
1: yeah 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 exactly exactly um i mean you were saying how you know i mean yes I guess for some people, Dan, uh, Stan Smith, you know, as you say, there's not a lot of uh, uh, storm and drung. I mean, he's like uh, there's he's this great guy, and everyone loves him. And uh, uh, you've leaned into the history element of it to to um, to to bring some of that uh, that uh, conflict to life. But did he? I mean, how was he? As a, a it strikes me, would he have been Was he reticent about making a film about his life? Seems to me he might have said, "Well, you know, he's as we know, he's a humble and unassuming fella."
0: Yeah. No, it was exactly that. Um, And by the way, just because a story doesn't have a a ton of conflict and tension, who says we can't have a feel-good movie? Like that's that. That was actually my pitch. I want to make people feel good and really feel. And I think we've achieved a a very emotive film. uh he he at first he you know he had a book that preceded this called some people think i'm a shoe which is very an appropriate (laughs) title and so i think he was sort of warming up to the idea right that book came out i believe in 2019 and so but this you know the book is very thin on actual story it's more of like an oral history of people sort of conjecture on his on a sneaker yeah um he was, you know, when we met, I think he, he, he just told me, he's like, does anyone care? Why would anyone care? And that just struck me. I'm like, Stan, people care. Like, you are Stan Smith. And it is not, it's not a facade. Like, the man is just incredibly humble. Like, anyone can walk. He'll spend 30 minutes speaking to a stranger. And it's totally authentic. And I think he represents a sort of personality almost of a bygone era, right mm, mm. It's the true gentleman who is patient and really interested in what you have to say, and that seems to be that seems to be a surprise these days of the celebrities like that,
1: yeah I mean. In a different way, but we've we had the uh, filmmaker uh, who did the uh, recent Nolan Ryan doc, and kind of reminds you know of similar similar generation, similar uh, maybe yeah. maybe because they're I, I don't know is Stan Smith on uh, does he have a smartphone? Maybe he's not as distracted as so many of us are. <laughs> you know he
0: does he does yeah he the te- the text is really big.
1: <laughs> well, he is he's what in his late late seventies now, but. Uh, um, this strikes me that it was also, as you said, as a feel-good film, and, and feel-good films, you say, you know, I'm, I, well, I I I well don't think it does, but I can imagine with some people, say if something's a feel-good film, that might strike them as being, uh, I don't know, fluffy or soft, but it's anything but. I found it very, uh, I found it very emotive is the word you use, and I thought that was an excellent way of describing it, and I found it quite, there's some very poignant and very emotional um, scenes. Uh, maybe subtly so, but just the it, it, i think that part of stand comes certainly comes out in the film uh but it's it strikes me this is a this is a really fun film to make
0: it was fun um and feel good you 're right the, maybe maybe that terminology isn 't perfect I think more of like it 's a sensory film right it's mm. it 's meant to make you feel the emotions and relate to certain things and um you know it 's not. Well, I, I would leave it at that. Um, making the film was incredibly fun, right? Yeah. I mean, meeting Stan, meeting his family, meeting everyone, Donald Dell is a riot. Donald yeah. Dell, if you don't know, he's Stan's agent. He was Michael Jordan's original agent who got right. My, Michael Jordan his first two Nike deals. He is the he is a kingpin. He is the originator of sports endorsements. You You know, so... Just kind of immersing myself in that universe was incredibly fun. Shooting during a pandemic is never easy. Mm. Getting your nose, getting your brain stabbed every two days. And yeah. On pins and needles, hoping that no one catches it, which no one did the whole time. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun. It was really gratifying yeah. to make it. It was yeah. grueling, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because but- we, were, we were on a tight schedule.
1: Yeah. But you've got you've got cool archive in there. You've got, uh, you know, some stuff... I, I mean, someone's definitely done their job, because you've even gotten... I mean, I guess it's not to be unexpected, but you got some nice archival stuff that shows, uh, you know... St- and, and Stan in his early days, and his wife, and, you know, and, and, <clears throat> and a lot of... And like you said, it's not just Stan, you've got these tennis stars uh, who are still around, who are able to 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 talk about uh I mean I guess you could have gotten Laver on there I guess you could have gotten some others but I mean it's it's still it's uh it's 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 quite amazing and it to cuz uh, that that window's closing obviously so it's uh it um I don't know I think it's just a really uh it's a it's an interesting era and uh, and it's not just a 60s 70s 80s pick I mean it it covers everything so but uh um no it's a very uh um it's i i you know it's fun it's fun and yet um it's uh, also very uh uh like you said i think it it's it's it does make you think and i think you not again not to have a spoiler but i think that's what it all gets to at the end of the film isn't it as as we've as you've mentioned more than once already that it's at least what stan would probably want us to talk about is that it's not him as a tennis player it's not him as a as someone who people think is a shoe, but is uh, well, I'll say it. He, he, you know, it's his legacy is going to be something bigger and different than tennis right. and fashion.
0: Right, right. It's not all about the wins on the board, people. It's it's about sort of the impact you have and trying to make it a better place. Because let's face it, like every day in the news, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs>
1: And he's very quiet about it, but he does mention, you know, he's a man of faith, right? So he's that's something Definitely. that's also informed him, his um his his life and how he's yeah. how he's lived it. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, th- thanks again for uh for uh for making this film. I think it's uh really enjoyed it. Are you were where, I mean, you're in the very early days, so you're getting a premiere at Doc NYC. Are you where else is it going to be showing? Do you know yet?
0: We don't know. I mean, that's uh, it premieres there, and from there it'll be on some streamer TBD. There's obviously interest from a variety of parties, but uh, it's a little bit over my head at the moment, so I let the folks that do the selling uh, take care right. of that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so you've got both a uh, a scripted and a doc background, uh, quite interesting right. and varied. But uh, what's uh, I mean? It's not your first one that has a shoe theme, is it? I mean, I think you did. You, so, uh, but uh, you've oh. got a few shoes. Do you have a shoe fetish? I don't know. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I was, I was terrified you would ask that. Um, it's weird. I don't know why that has happened. Maybe one led to another that led to another, and it's all very unintentional. I don't have a crazy shoe collection. Yeah. Um, I do have certain ones that I, I really covet because they represent art to me and they represent their time capsules, right? right. They represent an era. Right. Right. And I think that's what sneakers are all about. It's about the art. It's about the history. It's about the culture. Mm. Um, yeah, I happen to do a few sneaker documentaries. One was called 30 for 30 on the shoe store. Uh, one was a 30 for 30 on this shoe store called Friedman's Shoes that specialized in mm. size 12 and up for big guys who needed... Right fancy shoes and it was like the place to go in atlanta in the 80s and 90s we had Shaq in it um and it would but it's really at the end of the day it's about a, it's a story about a family business that's struggling to survive mm. at the dawn of e-commerce right? right um i did a couple nike documentaries one about the air max sneaker another one about the dunk sneaker right and the dunk sneaker particularly it was this like again this this sneaker that united a bunch of different subcultures and that's what made me really interested in it because that's what i as you can see like mm-hmm. i've grown up in many different subcultures from hip-hop graffiti skateboarding etc and um for me that's what always what makes it interesting is how do i find the humanity and the culture and the story so i don't i'm not a "Quote unquote sneakerhead." I'm not a huge sneaker enthusiast. I like sneakers, uh, but i I got a mortgage. I got mortgages to pay. I'm not <laughs> wasting my money like that. Nor is my closet big enough.
1: No, no. It's uh, don't worry about it. I wasn't trying to, and you don't have to apologize. Uh, but I think. Uh, <laughs> It's no, funny. just we, you know, it is. It was interesting an interesting one if you're scan- scanning the uh, IMDb profile and the <laughs> and the like, you know. Um, but we've had, I mean, we uh, there was one that premiered at uh, South by a few years ago. That was the um, one about a British-based uh, doc, actually on on Michael Jordan, a man in his, you know, and Air Jordans. And you know, there's a lot of. It's interesting, I think, in in the Stan Smith film as well. Like you said, these different subcultures that I hadn't quite really. I mean. Yes, I remember the uh, Adidas song by uh, Run DMC, but I hadn't put that together with Stan Smiths, mm-hmm. right? You know, and I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And you've got the Beastie Boys, and you've got now, and you've got Pharrell Williams in there, and you've got some of this other stuff, you know, the things that have happened uh, recently. Uh, um, and uh, you know, I'm all, I'm not as bad as Stan. I, I, I know it's Jay Z and not Jays, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 an interest. It is interesting. <laughs> Uh, And it is an interesting phenomenon.
0: Shoes are inanimate objects. It feels materialistic, but that's not what it's about, I guess, right? It's about things. It's a commonality you have with someone. It's a shared experience or whatever. We all remember. I remember growing up and having my Nike Delta Forces and just beating those up to death. Um, So yeah, shoes are just shoes. I think it's what's behind the shoe and it's really about how you relate to people.
1: So... So you're probably going to since I've now asked this, you're probably going to try to avoid doing another shoe uh related doc but uh or no keep it going it's you're doing well with it no. but uh um but what's what do yeah. you have in the what's on the cards for you after uh uh after uh who is Stan Smith
0: not a shoe documentary that's for sure um unless you know it's funny we were considering one another one with Nike that ultimately didn't pan out, but probably for the best, because um, I've been making a strong transition in the scripted, okay. right? So my next the, my next project is a pro, I can't say too much about it because it's not announced yet, but it's mm. a true story. That's a crime drama that takes place in the world of uh, the Chinese underworld in Manhattan's Chinatown, in mm. the world of the triads, the tongs, the street gangs. Nina Yang Bon Jovi, who produced Fruitvale Station, mm-hmm. Dope, Sorry to Bother You, et cetera. Um, she's producing it. She's an incredible producer with great taste. Mm-hmm. And so my head's down, has, my head has been down in that, which um, we should be making hopefully 2023. Okay. Um, I'm also in the midst of directing two music feature docs. One is for HBO. Okay. The other is for TBD. They're both fairly iconic music artists, and music's always been my number one. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's always been something I grew up with, and so really excited about those because they're Excellent. very much follow docs too. Oh yeah. yeah. uh,
1: well, congratulations. I mean, is there a particular reason why you're you? I mean, you're also what is it about? I mean, because you're not the you know some people do this, so you're moving to scripted. I mean, it t- tends to be this dichotomy, people either do docs, or they do scripted, and they don't tend to, to mix. But uh, what's, what's moving you in that direction?
0: I don't think I'm moving in that direction. I think I'm expanding my, opening my aperture. Yeah. Terrible pun. But um, <laughs> I really am. I mean, like most documentarians, we started out wanting to write a script and all that. And I actually already directed a feature for Lionsgate a while ago. It was okay. um, a few years ago. It was a comedy. wasn't exactly my sort of fare, but it was a good experience in getting my hands dirty in a scripted film and understanding that process. But I've always been both, and I don't. It yeah. it is a little frustrating, I think, for a lot of documentarians when they get pigeonholed as only right. being able to do one thing, whereas a lot of the times, a, a scripted filmmaker can dip into a documentary, put their name on it, hire a bunch of staff (laughs) and sort of just conduct interviews. Right. And fellow documentarians know it's a, it's a process. It's Mm -hmm. very rigorous and it's, and it's very different from scripted, but at the end of the day, we're all telling a story. Yeah. And um, I think the difference is being able to manage different configurations of crew, being able to really get the emotional core out of your actors. So, I just think I'm doing both and I always will do both. Um, so yeah, to so all my fellow documentarians, you know, like don't let anyone tell you, you can only do documentaries. Yeah. That's bullshit.
1: Well, and I think, yes, I would have, well, I'm not, I'm not a documentarian, but I, I would do, uh, I would hope that that is definitely the the case that people would do do expand. I mean, what we see is, I mean, in doing this podcast, I mean, it's not even just about pigeonholed as a documentarian, but you become true crime guy or gal oh, or, you yeah. you know, you know or your music, you only do music docs or, you know. I mean, that's not always the case. There's some people who've, um, who were able to run the gamut, but it, it is this... I guess it's just human nature trying to pigeonhole people, but I think in in any industry, really. It's
0: usually uh, the agents, you can blame the agents, (laughs) usually. (laughs) There's a a stack of resumes here, the crime guys here, etc. But no, I mean, the agents have a very difficult job of like, trying to get you your next project, right? But I do think crime is a very specific thing, right? And having relationships with detectives and all that, I I I, I see that. I, I don't I think the hardest jump for people to make is is length of time, right? Being able to tell a story over mm-hmm. 90 minutes versus compressing it to half an hour. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're good, mm-hmm. you should be able to tell any story because I, I really do believe you should be exploring stories that you're curious about. If your curiosity is operating at a high yeah. level, then you're you're in the right place. If you're not curious about something mm-hmm. You're not in the right
1: project. Yeah. And you've done a lot of shorts too. Do you have a? I mean, is that? Uh, do you have a preference, or is he just kind of what whatever is necessary to tell the story, whether it's scripted or or narrative? I mean, or uh, it's a doc. great question. Yeah.
0: it's a great question. I don't. I just don't believe in a pre-conceived total running time, scripted yeah. or non-scripted doc, like uh, the project that I'm doing with Nina the crime drama originally i was looking at it as a doc mm. and i started getting into research and i'm like this is an incredible universe yeah that we should make into a scripted film and then we should turn this into a tv series which is all is what yeah. we're talking about now so i think the story dictates the medium honestly yeah.
1: And I guess with also with streaming, we're not as beholden as as we were before with thirty, sixty, ninety those those numbers. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a great time. And no, it's a great
0: time. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, yeah, there's so much out there that like the marketing dollars oftentimes get sucked up by the tent poles, but you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. What I was gonna say, we were talking earlier, and I was gonna say we, were, I was admiring your uh, your office and your uh, your display behind you. Uh, the um, maybe one day, and if we haven't scared you off, I'd love to talk to you, have you back on when you uh, when those uh, music docs uh, drop, um, and maybe you'll have. Uh, one, we had one guest who, uh, though he claims it was his wife who did it, but uh, it was his Emmy was you know displayed right there. On the shelf uh, behind him, so uh, <laughs> I can't blame uh, the guy. I don't. You have can't blame him. Yeah, you, you know. Well, you know, it's 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 only a matter soon. of time, but too uh, soon. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right, Danny, it's Matt, been been a been a pleasure having you on. Uh, thank you again for uh, for coming onto the podcast, and would love to have you back. And uh, just remind our listeners, we've been talking with Danny Lee, the uh, <laughs> director and producer. Of Who is Stan Smith? Premiering at DOC NYC on November 9th, and be on the lookout for it, I'm sure it will be streaming somewhere near you uh, in the not too distant future. Danny, take care. Thanks, Matthew. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. Big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.